Hey, beauty lovers, welcome to another episode of Your Beauty Tutor, the podcast. I'm your host, Miss Jennings. We're thrilled to have you. I'd like to start by giving a shout out of gratitude to our podcast host, Anchor, the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Thanks, Anchor. You rock. Today's podcast is brought to you by One Take Media Group. Hey, beauty pros, do you have career goals of working on set as lead hair and makeup artist or being a beauty assistant for motion pictures, music videos, and film? If so, then head on over to One Take Media Group, the premier resource for all beauty, professional, real production services. Remember, beauty creatives, your reel is your resume. Use promotional code Follow the Beauty Brick Road and they'll take 10% off your first reel. Let One Take Media Group help you shoot straight for the stars and tell them Ms. Jennings sent you. Today's episode is entitled Follow the Beauty Brick Road. My desire for today's podcast is to offer insight, guidance, and broaden your awareness about the many lucrative paths available for the licensed beauty professional. Let's get started. You know, this podcast is really special to me because for many years in my beauty career, I really didn't know exactly what to do with it. After I, you know, had a strong foundation from my cosmetology school, the one thing that I didn't have was clear career direction. I wasn't really path as far as what direction to take this body of knowledge that I had acquired from this great institute. And today, what I desire to do is to offer you some insight on what to do next after you've graduated cosmetology school, barbering school, uh, uh, nail tech uh, school, you finished a program. What I want to do is talk about what next. What's next? Um, one thing that I normally share with my students after they are, um, they've graduated or they're near graduation, I ask them, I say, what are you going to do the minute you hit 1,000 hours or 1,500 hours? What's your plan? What's your plan for tomorrow? They say, uh, I guess, Ms. Jennings, I'll get a job. Well, get a job where? And doing what exactly? You see, for so many years... The beauty industry uh, has been marked as just being salon styling jobs. And that's such a myth. There's so many things you can do in cosmetology other than working in salon behind a chair. But unfortunately, on the beauty school level, we are not really offering the students those options. Um, I don't know whether or not we're not very aware of them ourselves or whether or not we just haven't gotten to that module where we're really introducing various paths other than the obvious. But today I really endeavor to open up your eyes as to what is out there because for so many years I've fought and fought to try, especially in the beginning of my career, to try to get into the editorial scene um, as far as beauty is concerned and it was so hard and I live in New York, the Mecca, the editorial Mecca. So it, it shouldn't have been that difficult. But again, back when I started, um, 
technology was not readily available and the information just was not there. Um, no educator ever told me, okay, you can become a platform artist or you can become a, um, editorial writer. You can do this. You can do that. They never expressed those things to me. So when I graduated, the only thing I knew was that I was going to be in a salon somewhere doing hair on somebody. So that was really, you know, where I, where the majority of us start is in salon, which is great. It's not, not knocking that at all. However, why is it that in other careers, like if you go to a four-year institution, uh, a four-year, four-year college or whatever, they path you, they give you a, uh, a major and sometimes a minor, and they start to path you on a direction in which you'll go, not just something very general. In cosmetology, see, we just train on everything and we don't really offer the student a specialty to the fact where, to the point where they can leverage and kind of grow in a certain area. So with that, we just kind of set them loose with a plethora of knowledge, um, basic knowledge, and let them get started and land on their feet how they can. Um, but now with so much technology available, it's no excuse. There's no excuse for anyone to be locked out of what's going on. The no. So again, I endeavor to just kind of go over some bullet points on, uh, career opportunities that are available and some that are obvious, but the majority, I'm going to focus on the top 10 that, you know, you might've heard about, but I'll elaborate a little bit more on, you know, what they are and how you would get into it and how you start and all. So here we, here, here I go. I'm going to just list them and then I'll go back through it again and I'll, um, explain each one. I'll start with, you know, some bonus ones, some very obvious. I'll break them down. And you could get something to write on or whatever, and, or, you know, stop the tape, roll it back or whatever. But I just want to go over a few things for you all, just for some clarity on what to do with your career and where to start to look for work once you've graduated. And even if you're in the, in the industry and you just need a change. All right. So first and foremost, we know these are the obvious ones. I'll just point out quickly and then I'll go back and I'll explain. We have salon stylist. We know that. Okay. And that I'll just list it. Then we have corporate salon stylist. Then we have booth renter. Then we have salon owner. All right. Those are some very general ones that we all know about. All right. And I'll come back and I'll kind of expound upon each one. I promise. Now, these are my top 10 that I really wanted to introduce to you today that perhaps it might have, you know, you might have noticed it might have gone over your head. Maybe you had not thought about it. So I'm going to uh, first talk about this because we're in the world of technology. The first one I'm going to list is the freelance app stylist. Okay, the freelance app stylist. Then the next one I'm going to list is the beauty educator corporate. Okay, then I'm going to list the beauty educator private school. Then I'm going to list the app beauty educator. Then we have the freelance editorial artist. Then we have the agency artist. Then we have the laboratory stylist, the beauty, next, the beauty call center specialist, the beauty writer or blogger. We have 
the beauty cruise and resort stylist. All right, I'm going to stop right there with that one. I have a few more, but I'm just going to stop right there so that I can start breaking down each one. All right, so I'm going to start with the few extra, the obvious ones that we kind of know about, but I want to talk to you a little bit more in detail about how they function, okay? Because you get into this salon and you're not quite sure and you're so intimidated on the interview that you're not asking the key questions. So I'm going to go back to the first one, like the bonus obvious ones. The first one I had... Um, mentioned was the salon stylist. Now, as a salon stylist, all right, they will break you down into two categories. Either you can be hired as a commission hairstylist or you can be a salaried stylist. Now, what I'm going to do is on another episode, I'm going to break down um, salaries for all of these different categories. I'm going to go right on into the salary and exactly what it is you make each year, but that's going to be another podcast because it's so in depth and I'm going to have to do some math with you all so that we could break it down. So, but right now I'm just going to be very general, but I'll elaborate on some things. So first and foremost, the salon stylist, there's two types. Either you can be, um, contracted to work as a commission stylist, or you can be contracted to work as a salary stylist. Now let's go between the two. When you go on that interview, you must know exactly how they're contracting you. How, what are they hiring you to do? If you are going in as a salaried stylist, okay, you are going to get a base salary on whatever they, you know, offer. I don't know what it would be per hour or annually. That's exactly what they're going to give you. You're going to walk into that salon with your blow dryer, your, uh, shears, uh, and, and, and your, your, your kit, your round brushes, your combs, whatever, things like that. But that is it. When you are a salary stylist, you just go with your little toolkit and go into the salon. They provide everything. They provide the color, the products, all of those things they provide. And they also do withholdings on your uh, check, meaning they'll take out your federal income taxes and uh, local income taxes, all of those things. They'll do your withholdings. Now, I don't know whether or not they'll offer you uh, things like benefits. A lot of private salons don't, but you might have some that do. So that's it. You'll work. They'll offer you as many clients as they can, walk-ins or whatever, and they will pay you a salary no matter how many clients you do or how little client, how many, how many, how few clients you do, they're going to offer you a set salary. Now that's a salary stylist. Now a commission stylist, you work the same way. You'll bring your own, you know, toolkit, whatever, but that's it. You're working in this same salon, but they're putting you on a commission. Now the commission will be whatever the actual salon, you know, decides it would be. You could always negotiate that commission. Uh, A lot of times they try to do 60, 40, uh, you might try to, you know, negotiate 50, 50, but whatever it is, you still walk into the salon and you're on commission. Meaning whatever you make, if you make, if you're on 50, 50 and you brought in a thousand dollars that week for the salon, you will take home $500. All right. Um, they might also withhold your withholdings on, on your paycheck. However they do, it just depends on how structured, fiscally structured your, uh, salon is that you're working for. Um, there's a couple of setbacks, pros and cons with, uh, salary. Salary is a pro has pros and cons because you might do 
$1,000 worth of work and you might only make uh, $200 that week, you know what I mean? Or, or something like that. So that is like one of the cons of working salary, not unless they have you on a pretty high salary. So, you know, you have to kind of gauge, you know, we, we, we will do the math. I'm going to show you uh, a, a little worksheet that I like to do with my students so that we could kind of break down our annual revenue. Because one thing that no one can uh, cap is a hairstylist or a makeup artist or nail tech or barber. You cannot cap our salary because I can have one busy weekend change my whole month. Or I can have one dry weekend that changes my whole month. So there's really no average. I can't even, in all honesty, tell you what my average for next month is going to be, not unless I've already projected it, and I have. So and just it just depends. So that's the beauty of working in this industry. No one caps our income. We create revenue because our talent is in our hands. And we don't need machinery to really, you know, get the job done. We are the talent. So that's the beauty of being a, a, a creative and working as a salon stylist. Now, next on the list, corporate stylist. Now, what is a corporate stylist? That means you work for a salon like a JCPenney's or um, like Macy's had a salon. They might still have a salon, whereas you're working on salary plus commission. Now, the good thing about working in corporate salons is that you have your withholdings automatically done. They're done for you. You have sick pay, you have um, vacation time, a lot of PTO time. They offer profit sharing, life insurance, health insurance, all kinds of benefits that a lot of private salons really just uh, don't have the budget to offer. So that's the good thing about working for a corporate uh, salon. Also, too, um, what's great about it is they're, norm they're generally located in a heavily populated area. So the likelihood of you building a clientele in one of those chain salons or corporate salons is highly likely. You're not sitting around in some remote place just waiting for somebody to fall through the door in a private salon or trying to build a clientele somehow. If you are inside of a mall type situation working in a salon, you know that you are going to uh, scale your business and make new clients. So that's one of the benefits of working in a corporate salon. Now they have you on a pay scale of salary plus commission. A lot of my students say, Ms. Jennings, what in the world is that? They think that it's salary and then they just just give you a commission on products. Yes, they give you a commission on products, but that's not exactly how that works. What that the whole uh, issue with salary plus commission for corporate salons is that what they do is they give you a minimum wage and they expect that you will double your chair. And so let's say if let's just say they have you at $10 an hour. Let's just say that's minimum wage. What this salon is expecting you to do is actually make $20 an hour in order to cover your chair. Okay. So anything over $20 an hour, let's say you did for the day you made $25 an hour. Okay, so that uh, uh, 20, yeah, $25 an hour. That means you made $5 um, commission. So 
when you're on a commission plus salary, what they're trying to say is we'll give you a base salary, but in order to make commission, you have to double your chair and we'll give you 50% of whatever you double. So in actuality, correction, you would not have brought home $5. You would have brought home $2 and 50 cents. You understand? So if they, if, if they put you on commission plus salary and they say, all right, we'll pay you minimum wage, but we need you to double the chair. So what they're saying is this. If you work $10 an hour, we expect that you bring in at least $20 an hour. And if you so bring in $30 an hour, we'll split the difference with you. So you'll get your base pay plus the split of the difference that you brought in. All right. So that is how they work. Uh, those corporate salons like JC Penney's and stuff like that. And that's kind of the pay scale that they put you on. Um, and again, we're going to go on in another episode and we'll do a break even analysis on just that salon ownership, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know that salon ownership is what it is. You're owning your own business. But the beautiful thing about salon ownership now is that you don't necessarily have to own a full salon. You can go in on a sweet salon like a solar salon. Um, a JC by a JC salon suites or whatever they're calling that, and you can honestly rent your own suite inside of like a building that has lots of suites in it. And I think that that's a wonderful idea because what they do is they give you one uh, styling chair, a sink, and a little reception area there that's like for common use. So. I think that that's a wonderful way to start your business, especially if you were a booth renter uh, and you all know a booth renter is someone that goes into a salon and they rent a booth for a certain amount of money per week. All right. And you kind of own your own salon inside of someone else's established salon. You pay your rent as you go. You bring your own products. You bring your own clientele. And that's really how that works. So if in fact you're, you're a booth renter, that means you do have a clientele that's strong enough in order for you to branch out and maybe go into a suite salon, which offers you more privacy, more exclusivity. You're not, you know, subject to the noise in the general salon. So those are just a few, you know, extra quirks that I wanted to offer you that are obvious, you know, as far as, you know, what you can do in a, in, as a stylist in this industry. And those are very obvious, but now I wanted to shine some light on some of the other opportunities that I had listed out my top 10. All right, I had gone, started off with freelance app stylist. Now, this is awesome, uh, professionals. This is an awesome opportunity because it allows you as a freelancer to utilize technology in order to book your clients and to work. So you don't necessarily have to be in a salon full time. You can kind of get on your app and work for places like Glam Squad, Swivel, Be Glammed, Manicube. They have so many of these apps now that are offering stylists um, the opportunity to work on their own terms. Now, of course, you're going to have to be responsible for all your withholdings. You work for yourself. You are just a part of this ecosystem that uh, they're generating and that they've created um, in this modern day technology. So an app freelance stylist is a wonderful thing. You'll go on the app, you'll register, you have to upload your license and all that stuff. And then you will get like 
messages and signals on your phone letting you know that, you know, there's a person in certain areas that need services and you can either accept it or decline it or whatever. And um, I'm not sure about this, the, the pay scale for that one, but I will research and find out exactly whether or not some apps have that you set your own set your own pay scale. I'm not sure about what these few that I mentioned uh, offer, but you know, I will find that out. Next I have, I listed beauty educator corporate. Now a corporate educator guys is when you're going in and it's phenomenal. You go in and you're teaching professionals about a brand. Okay. So let's say you're phenomenal with hair color. Like you love color. You love applying color. You love working with color. Then perhaps you would like to contact, you would reach out to like a Goldwell or Redkin or matrix, and you would contact their uh, artistic director and you would try to get on their education team. Um, it's really a sales job in all honesty, because when you're going in, uh, as a beauty educator, corporate, what you're doing is you're trying to work with the salesperson that they send out. It's a field position. You'll go from salon to salon in your region and you will educate professionals on how to use a certain brand. So if your your if your love is hair color, you will go out for matrix and whatever they're trying to push that season is the product that you'll be demonstrating uh, the majority of your time. And then the salesperson that travels with you will close the deal. But you're the one that kind of sells the product to the other creative professional. So that is a wonderful opportunity. If you like to travel, if you don't want to be stuck inside of a salon, if you would like to kind of go uh, to various places, you do live out of your car. Now you have to have a car to travel and you have to be able to utilize your vehicle because you will be all over town with this type of position, but it is a wonderful opportunity. It does, it is a break from the salon. So you might want to check that out. The next thing I'm going to point out is beauty school educator, beauty school teacher. Okay. That's working either private school or public school. However, it is really what that is, is you're going to schools like, um, whatever your local beauty school might be. You go there as a, uh, beauty school teacher and you're teaching the trade. Um, entry for that, depending on your state, you might have to go back for teacher training. I'm not sure as how long each program is from state to state. It varies. Of course, you're going to have to have your cosmetology license. Sometimes they want you to have it for two years, five years. It just all really depends on your state. But again, the main thing about being a beauty school educator is you have got to master the subject of cosmetology. Now, what does that mean? You are going to have to have a knowledge of all the subjects, not just hair color, not just makeup, not just nails, not just cutting. You have got to be able to have a knowledge on everything. You have to have a knowledge on even the science and the math. There's math and cosmetology. You have to, you have to be well-rounded on all the subjects. Okay. And definitely you have to know whatever your state board practical and written uh, examination consists of. And you have to honestly own that material because most of all, you have got to make sure that your students pass that state board. All right. So being a beauty school educator, that is a wonderful uh, opportunity for you to share knowledge and for you to grow future professionals.
All right. Next we have, and again, I'm going to on another episode, go over the pay scale for everything. So, um, and also I'll go over entry and what you have to do. I'll be more intricately detailed for these positions, but I don't want to hold you too long. I just want to open your eyes as to what is available. So moving right along, I'm going to go down to app beauty educator. Okay. Uh, app beauty educator is just that. Um, you're working just like your uh, freelance app stylist. You're a freelance app beauty educator. Uh, you work for platforms like your beauty tutor and you book your client, your clients, your students off of the app. So this is beautiful because it frees up your time. It allows you as educators to go on and teach what you love. So it's a little bit different from teaching in a cosmetology school where you have to have a knowledge of everything. When you're working on an app like your beauty tutor, you only have to teach what you have mastered. So if you love color, teach color. If you love cutting, teach cutting. You know, you don't have to teach uh, properties of the skin and scalp. You don't have to do that. You can teach exactly what you love and you get to select your own pay scale. You get to, uh, select your own schedule and the students kind of choose you. So that is a wonderful opportunity for both students and tutors to, uh, and teachers to get on there and kind of collaborate and share and, um, and you work and it does, it frees you up for a lot of other things. So that is another option. If you would like to be a beauty educator, that's kind of freelance and you work off of an app, just like the, your beauty tutor app. Okay. So that's another option option. Now you have, I'm going into freelance editorial artist. Now, what is that Ms. Jennings? A freelance editorial artist is an art, uh, is an artist that works with editorials, magazines, print, film. But the problem with that is they've got to do their own booking, meaning they're not agency assigned uh, yet. So they've got to be able to book their own clients. And when I say clients, I mean, they've got to have contacts in the editorial world. So they're, uh, portfolios, whether they're digital or whether they have a physical one, they have to always, you know, have their portfolios ready to be seen and be selected on their own, which is not very hard to do. It's just a labor of love. You have to be very consistent. You have to do your own invoicing. You have to do your own research. You have to really be uh, ever present when you're trying to be a freelance uh, editorial artist. The thing about this is, is that this is the prerequisite to being a signed artist without having uh, worked editorial on your own, you really won't have the materials you need in order to get signed to a major, uh, agency like a Ken Barboza or tapestry or agency downtown or anything like epiphany or any of those major agencies that are rocking with the uh, celebrity stylist. So really becoming an, uh, being a freelance editorial artist is the prerequisite to being an agency artist, which is my next one that I was going to hit becoming an, and I, again, I'm going to go over a lot of this stuff on how you get in, what the portfolio should look like. And also too, 
uh, on the app, on your beauty to the app, I'll be teaching some segments under beauty business and beauty show business. So if you would like to, um, you know, book some sessions on that, we could kind of work one-on-one and I can give you more Intel into the, uh, world of show business as it relates to cosmetology, beauty, makeup, and all those things. Okay. Uh, agency artist, again, an agency artist is a signed artist. This artist has, um, hustled, their freelance work. They've, you know, been, uh, published several times in magazines like Essence and, uh, Vogue and all these, uh, magazines, they've done it on their own first before they were able to take their book over to an agent and get signed. Okay. Assigned agency artist works through the agency instead of the artist having to find their own work, their own clients, the way the freelance artist did the agency finds your work for you. So uh, magazines and, uh, advertising agencies and, um, public relation firms, they go to these talent agencies looking for their roster of artists that they have that have been signed. And that's how you see your billboards billboards up and you're saying, Oh, how in the world did, uh, I would love to do that. How in the world do you get to do hair and makeup for a major billboard or, uh, or how do I get placement in this magazine? A lot of times the magazines, the advertisement agencies, um, they all go directors, producers, they go looking for talent at the agencies. So, and, and uh, what I like to tell my students, if you would like to be an agency artist, one way you could get in is through the back door. You can back door yourself in. You, they have something called the assistance list. You could go in as an assistant. I don't care if they ask you to carry their bag to set. If you want to get started, I'm not too proud. If that's how I'm going to get in, I'll wash your brushes. I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll, I, you know, I'll make sure I clean your kit, whatever it is. Hey, what do you care? You're on the set of essence. What do you care? You're on a major production. Yeah, you're an assistant, but so what? One day, if you keep, uh, keep working at it, you'll be the lead. You know, and the good thing is, is that you already have a foot in the door. They know you and they're basically, you're basically getting on the job training. So that is a back, a backdoor way of becoming a signed agency artist is getting on the assistance list. Call the agency, see if they have any vacancies on the assistance list. Um, say, Hey, there's an artist that I would love to apprentice. I would love to, you know, assist such and such and such and such. Do your research, uh, creatives go in there and, Whatever, whatever it is you want, you've got to seek it out. Okay. So that's, uh, the agency artist signed artist. Now the next one we have is a laboratory stylist, uh, uh, professionals. Now listen to this. You can be a beauty product tester. All right. A beauty product tester for companies like Clairol, Wella, they all have laboratories where they hire professional cosmetologist to test the results. How do you think products hit mass market? They hit mass market because a beauty professional 
tested the results that a chemist formulated. So we work together. So it's not beauty salon work. You'll be going to work. It's, it's a nine to five job. It's a salaried position. So you're working on a salary. You're working for probably uh, the motherboard, which is like Bristol Myers Squibb uh, Squib or Unilever. I, we call those like the motherboard because those are the parent companies that are, you know, that these uh smaller companies are under. So you'll be working with the chemists, uh, testing the result. If they, if it, if the hair color or a conditioner or shampoo, whether it was true to what it was supposed to do or whether it fell flat. So people actually come as volunteers or like little human Guinea pigs to get their hair done for free. And you test out new products and then you'll fill out a survey, give it back to the chemist. They can re you know, formulate, and then you try it again. And that's how products hit mass market because Beauty professionals like yourselves, you go in and you test them, you give the result, and that's that. So that's um, something to look into. Uh, you can uh, just research uh, where in your town or where, uh, you know, beauty laboratories might be. And, uh, you know, try it. Just go out there and try it. The next one I'm going to highlight is beauty calls, uh, beauty call center specialist. Now this is one area where you must specialize. So for instance, uh, Clairol. Clairol is known for having their uh, call center. Now, in order to really, now they do have some formulas that are pre-done up there for you, but in order for you to truly troubleshoot, you have got to have a strong foundation in color. Okay. So if you are a colorist and you want a break from the salon, or perhaps you want to do something part-time, being a beauty call center specialist is key. It's awesome. So and there, a lot of companies are coming up and developing more more of this type of uh, business model. Um, I'm going to also offer some intel on that as we go. But um, truly, you show up, you uh, are working in your cubicle, the calls come in from stylists that are having problems, perhaps somebody's hair turned green, then, you know, using your product, using the, uh, that particular brand, and then you will formulate out for them on how to get the green off, okay? But, you know, beauty professionals, we know how to do that one. If something is too ashy, what are we going to do? What, what's the opposite of green? Yeah, you got it right. That's red. We will put something with the red base on there to totally neutralize out that green. All right. So stuff like that, you would just have to know. All right. So as you become more comfortable in the industry for various companies like that, that do have call centers, definitely you would be a candidate for that position. Um, one that I'm going to highlight right quick is uh, beauty blogging, beauty writing, beauty professionals. Who else? is educated enough to give beauty forecasting. Go ahead, write a piece, submit it to Marie Claire, submit something to Vogue. You have the voice, you have the knowledge, submit your pieces and you can get paid, why not? So look into that, you know, Google some things like that. And, and try, put a little segment together and go ahead and submit it. What can you lose? You'll only just get better and better and better at it. All right. The last thing I'm going to highlight and I'm going to get off right quick is cruise and resort stylists. For those of you who want to travel and you love traveling, have you ever considered doing hair and makeup and nails and massage on a cruise or at, or at a resort? I have a few, a few students who have made 
a wonderful career out of resort styling. And, you know, it's something that you never really think about, but it's so amazing, especially if you're young and you're starting out or not even young, if you're single and you're able to move around a bit and you'd love to travel, this might be an opportunity for you, you know? So, uh, Beauty World, I just wanted to come on and kind of open up Pandora's box, for lack of better term. And I wanted to offer you some intel into some other things that you can do in, in the beauty industry other than working behind a chair. Now, working behind the chair is the staple. We know that you learn so much, you grow behind that chair. But if you want another path, if you desire to do something other than being behind the chair, Options are available to you. Options are right there. And I'm here to let you know, whatever your calling is, whatever is calling you on the inside, listen to it. Listen to what you're great at. Listen to that. Because maybe you might not be great at hairstyling. Maybe you might not be the greatest makeup artist or barber, but you might be great at customer service. So maybe salon management will be for you. But there's something for everyone. Remember, your gift is what makes room for you. Your character keeps you there, but your gift makes room for you. So for tonight, I'm just going to sign out. Um, if you like, I would appreciate it if you would share this um, with friends, other colleagues in the beauty industry, um, my beauty students. I love you. I, I just adore my students. Just share with your peers, guys. Go out there. Let's keep cosmetology alive. Let's do this thing together. I'll come on on a weekly basis, and I'm going to just shed light on various topics Hit me up, send me an email, let me know what it is you would like for me to discuss. Trust me, I will go right to the heart of it and we will talk about it on the podcast. Again, I had promised that I do have some special guests that are coming up and I can't wait to introduce them to you. But for this week, Miss Jennings is signing out and I just want you to remember that you are fabulous, your gift will make room for you and that you are enough. Don't look to the left of you. Don't look to the right of you. Your own gift is what's going to pave your way. Comparison is horrible. Don't compare yourself to anyone because what you have uniquely is going to pay for your, for your, your gift. What you have is going to pay your way, pay everything you need in life. So I just wanted to give you that word of encouragement for someone who might've needed it on today. All right. So I'm signing off. Um, until next time, remember, sharing is caring. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.